What's going on, Connect? Everybody doing good? Like, it, I can, I'm starting to see, the, the, coming into focus, I can see all your smiling faces. Come on, smile at me so I can see what you is. There you go. It was a little dark there, but when I saw teeth, everything changed. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek, um, and I want to welcome you to Connect. And if you're here for the first time, we're super glad and excited that you are here. Um, what an incredible worship experience so far, amen? Wow. Holy cow, do we have a great worship team or what? You know, and, and the performance is one thing, but the presence of God is way more important, amen? And you can sense and feel that, and some of that is related to the, the, the climate of our church right now and, and all the prayer that's been, that's been going on, and it just makes such a huge, huge difference. I want to highlight a couple quick things so that you guys know um, some important stuff that's coming up. Uh, next week, uh, we have what's called No Excuse Sunday. We've kind of plastered it everywhere so you know what's going on. Uh, so next Sunday, what do we call it? No yeah, so that means if you call this your home church, if you're what I call a frequent flyer or a family member, you're formally uh, connected to our church, um, uh, we really need you to be here. We usually don't ever use terminology like you got to, you have to. But let me just say, next Sunday is recommendatory. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's as close as I can get, you know, whatever relational equity I have, please, please, please be there. We have some important things that we want to uh, tell you, forecast for the future, interact with you so we can do a good job uh, fundamentally pastoring you. You know, we, we, have, we feel like we have a responsibility uh, to, to uh, take you on a spiritual journey and make sure that we're moving forward, amen? Up and to the right, praise God. So uh, that's, that's coming up next week. It's going to be an awesome service too. And then also, I want to highlight on February 18th, uh, I'll just get it out and then I'll unpack it. Um, we're, we're taking an offering in the service, a special offering in the service. We normally don't do that. Um, in fact, if you've been here more than one service, you'll notice we don't pass a plate. Um, for some people, uh, based on past church experience, that can be very refreshing because one of the number one things churches uh, really talk about, uh, uh, spend time on, and, 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 and put in front of you on a constant basis uh, is related to is related to money or or some kind of a plate being passed, and so we believe in giving. We just like to train people and equip people to do it as an act of worship, um, not just a a tip or a response to some kind of manipulation or public pressure. So uh, we do that that way. But every now and then, uh, because the Bible does talk about bring your tithes, but also take an offering. Every now and then, we take an offering for a particular purpose. Sometimes, and and last year, like we took an offering for Bibles in Pakistan. We sent uh, eleven thousand. No, we no. Excuse me. We raised. I don't know how much it was. It was a lot of Bibles. How many? How much? Yeah, like 3,000 Bibles. It was a lot of Bibles. $11,000, 3,000 Bibles. That's what it was. Um, and, and we took an offering for that. We took an offering for buying turkeys for our community. Um, whatever we take an offering for, uh, we always give it. We always give it away. So if we take an offering, I'm not going to Aruba. So nobody get nervous, okay, everybody? So uh, my wife, uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we're taking a second offering for our campus launch, uh, which is right around the corner. So for those of you who don't know, we're launching a new location of Connect, and it's going to be in Framingham. Come on. Uh, we're going into the city of Framingham. Amen. 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 We're so excited. So if you'd like to contribute or participate in that, uh, I want you to know a, a couple quick things. One, if you already participated, uh, let me just say, you are the best church when it comes to giving. I, I, and I'm not 
I am I pray to God that you can receive this without any, you know, just like uh, I'm not stroking anybody. I'm not blowing smoke. Honestly, I, I, my staff will tell you, I think we have the most generous church. I don't know anybody that's as generous as our church. And so I'm always blessed. I, I, I shed tears just because I'm so grateful, um, sincerely. But, but we took one offering in the last quarter of last year. And I had a goal in my mind. I thought it was kind of lofty. Uh, Deej's goal was higher than mine, so he has more faith in me, apparently. So he should be the senior pastor. But... Um, but I had this goal, and you guys exceeded it. In fact, um, in one offering with some money that trickled in a little bit after that, we raised $90,000 for our campus. $90,000 for our campus. That means you believe in the vision of this church, and I want to give you props for that. That's amazing. Um, now, what I told you, which is also amazing, was before we took that offering, we had all the money in the budget. We, everything's paid for. All I said to you was, this is what we're going to do with it. Dollars equals souls. We can reach more people. We can go bigger if you give. And you said yes, and you gave all of that money to make that happen. You guys get it. And I just want to thank you for being the way you are. Don't feel any pressure to give to this next one. But if you want us to go bigger, we're going to put all of this money. And you know, if you've been here any length of time, we're going to give it away. And we're going to pour it into that community. And we're going to blow it up in Framingham. Can I get an amen? Okay? So that's what's going on. Amen. All right, get your worship guides out and uh, get ready to take copious notes. I'm about to blow your mind, okay? Um, we're in the final installment of our series, The Kingdom. Everybody say, The Kingdom. And I hope that, that as I finish this, I'm trying to land this plane uh, in this particular series. But at the same time, I want you to take off the rest of the year. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to kind of like just go on cruise control the rest of this year. I hope that you are amped up as a result of the season that you're in, this, this new beginning. And, and you're not quitting on some of your, your goals and your New Year's resolutions. Hopefully it's more of a revolution, okay? There's more in store for you in 2018 if you believe. Come on, I need to get a better amen out of you than that, okay? So don't shrink back. Don't quit. Never give up. Take back whatever the enemy's stolen. I'm believing, honestly, this is going to be my best year yet. I'm turning 50 this year, and this is going to be my best year yet. Come on, somebody, okay? And this is going to be your best year, amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be your best year yet. Turn to your second choice and say, I am serious right now. Okay, okay, okay. You're getting it now. You're starting to get it. All right, so our series idea has been this, that we are not called in the kingdom of God to take it easy. Take it easy. No, we're not called to take it easy. We're actually called in the word of God to take dominion. Come on, say it. Dominion. Okay, you got to grit your teeth. You got to like pull your tongue back so you don't hurt yourself. You got to dominion, okay? We're called to take dominion. We're not called to, and dominion doesn't necessarily mean we go and dominate people. No, it means you make a difference in the world. It means something's different about you. It means you have dominion over yourself, and that makes you different in the world in which you live. Can I have an amen? So we want to take dominion in the world. And, and what we learned in three weeks prior to this is that God has um, the key to the kingdom. So that means... Whatever's going on in your life, whatever problem you're facing, whatever obstacle that's in your life, whatever door you want to see open, he holds, and it says this singular, he holds the key. That means he holds a master key. So when you can't figure something out, you don't know, what's, you don't know what to do, uh, you can't seem to see that door unlock, you need to know, 
you're in a relationship, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've confessed him uh, as Savior and Lord, you're in a relationship with somebody who's got the master key. That's pretty cool when you don't know how to get into something. You can be like, hey, hey, can you help me get into this thing right over here? Okay, but then he goes on, the, 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 the key holder, the master of the key, he says to you and me, I've given you keys, plural, to the kingdom. So I hold the master key, but I'm giving you these keys so you can have dominion over the world in which you live. I've given you these keys. And what happens for us a lot of times is many of us have been given keys um, and, and, and we don't know how to use them. Some of us uh, lost our keys, and we need to regain them. That's what we talked about kind of in week one. Some of us never received the keys. That's where, like, your eyes were open through salvation. You started to see the kingdom of heaven the way it was. Some of us have taken God's keys, put them aside, used worldly keys to unlock heaven's doors, and gotten frustrated. We've had a mixture, which the Bible calls carnality, where we're, we're trying to do something in, in a heavenly realm using our own wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, lean, we're supposed to lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we, we got to learn how to use these keys. And, and keys in the word of God can be interchangeable in the word, just so you know, in Old Testament and New Testament, Greek and Hebrew, as laws of God. So when you see laws, think keys. When you see keys, think laws. Is everybody tracking? And that's important because I'm going to give you an illustration in just a minute. But laws govern life. If we, if we break laws, we're going to have problems. Every, every problem in life is, is related to a broken law or, or a violation of law. Every success in life is the understanding, submission to a law. And so key, the key, keys or laws govern our lives for the better or for, for, for discipline or restriction or problems sometimes. Now, I'm going to show you this picture. Um, this is um, a, a Boeing 747. Uh, what's amazing about this particular machine is it weighs 660,000 pounds. Okay, this is... How many know that's a big plane right there, everybody? And, and, and it's pretty much immovable, okay, once, once it's kind of parked somewhere. And this particular plane, um, you know, when you were a boy or a girl going to the airport, maybe the first time if you've ever been on a plane before, I don't know if you remember, but I can remember looking out, watching these planes go from a stationary position to flight and just thinking to myself, how on earth did that get up in the air, and fly like a feather in the clouds. Has anybody ever thought something like that before? You're like, what on earth? How is that possible? How does a 600,000-pound machine fly? And, and I want you to listen to this. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's an analogy here. You and I do the same thing with our lives. We look at our situation, and we say to ourselves, there's this immovable obstacle in my life. The weight and magnitude of it says to me and says to the world in which I live, the circumstances that I'm, that I'm up against are immovable. It, it's, it, it weighs too much. There is no way anything is going to change in this situation. How will I ever get over this? How will I ever get out of this? The, the same thing we would say about this 747, we often say about our own lives. How do we get through? How are we going to get over this? How are we going to overcome in our lives? And recently I was watching a YouTube video 
as I often do. And uh, I was studying or, or listening to a guy who studied the phenomena of flight, like how the history, the Wright brothers on through. And this particular gentleman was a pilot. And he said, in so many words, a 600,000-pound plane flies because the law of gravity is canceled out by another law, and that law is the law of lift. Gravity is not destroyed. In fact, gravity is used by, leveraged by another law, and it's defied by this law. It's, it's canceled, in other words, by this law. This other law comes into its place. And so he says, when I begin to push the throttle as the pilot in the cockpit and begin to gain speed, ultimately to a speed of approximately 160 miles per hour, what happens is that speed at a certain point creates a new law, a new order. And the wings that the plane uses and the leverage from that uh, uses this new law. And it becomes impossible for that plane to stay on the ground. In fact, if it was to stay on the ground at that speed or that rate, it would be destroyed. It would be obliterated. But this, it's impossible for that to happen. It can't stay there. And that speed and those key factors associated with it kicks in this law of aerodynamics. And gravity surrenders to the law of lift. Is everybody tracking? What makes a plane like that get off the ground, overcome, get into the air? Laws. What is going to make you overcome, get off the ground, move your immovable situation, help you get over what you need to get over, help you come through, help you rise above? Laws. Laws. Is everybody getting this picture? Kingdom laws are like that. Kingdom keys are like that. They defy life. They defy, in some respects, our logic, our logic, they may seem, in fact, ridiculous. Nevertheless, they work uh, if they're understood. These laws, if we know them and understand them, actually, these laws work automatically. You don't even have to do anything. In fact, once the law kicks in, the pilot actually said, I don't fly the plane. I just steer it. And that's how the laws of God are in our life. That's how these kingdom keys can be in our life as well. We don't have to fly, like, you know, flap our wings like a chicken. We can soar, the Bible says, like wings as eagles in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. The Bible uses uh, in different illustrations this, these kind of examples where you can come above your circumstances, not be underneath and pounded by your circumstances. You don't have to be subject to the law of gravity. You can experience the law of lift in your life. Can I have an amen? So the big idea for kingdom living is basically this. Here's your big idea. Kingdom living is believing in the ridiculous. It may seem like that, and I want to set you up for the rest of the year by kind of expanding your faith, stretching you in your faith. Some of you have put God in a box. Some of you have kept your faith on the ground. Some of you have allowed gravity to hold you down. And God wants you to believe that many things that are facing you in your life can be overcome. Doors that are going on in your life that have been closed can be opened again. Laws can work for you. And they can work automatically if you learn them and understand them. I want you to believe in the ridiculous again. The kingdom has these laws or keys, and, and they've been given to us. But God gave them to us to regain the dominion that was lost in the beginning. 
in, in, in before the fall of man, the original sin. And, and to overcome uh, this earth in which we live, God wants to show us and teach us how to do that. See, your biggest problem, kind of in a nutshell, sure, certainly we're here to figure out a purpose, but, but just like God's, the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. What did the evil one do? He took dominion away from us. So God wants you to overcome and be, and, and be able to have dominion over your circumstance. Your biggest problem is circumstances. It's quiet in here. Let it be noted. Everybody's paying attention, apparently. But the Bible tells us that there are these secrets that only a believer, a Christ follower, can see. If we want them and also we and look for them and understand them and apply them to our life. There's keys he's given us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11 and following, this is what it says. Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're saying, why do you keep talking to everybody in stories? And so he explained to them, you've been permitted to understand the secrets. You might want to underline or circle that if it's in your notes of the kingdom of heaven. But others have not. So when you, when you receive Christ, that grace and faith reception, you realize you were saved by grace through faith. When that happened to you, God's, alongside of that, you become an heir of salvation. You receive keys, secrets to living on earth. And he says, but others don't have that. To those who are open to my teaching, you're going to get even more understanding will be given to you. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. I don't know about you, but in this crazy, nuts, jacked-up world, I need an abundance of knowledge. In fact, my wife was just praying for me the other day. She said, what can I pray for you about? I said, wisdom, clarity. Like, I need more and more wisdom. I need more and more single-mindedness because you can just get confused by all the things and all the distractions and all the opportunities and all the problems and all the situations. Sometimes I pick up my phone. I, I, I just want to answer, crisis center. That's what I feel like doing sometimes because life is crazy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, if you don't, just follow me around. Okay, so, but to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I tell them these stories because people see what I do. Listen, this is what the church does. But they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't really hear. And they don't understand. They don't understand. See, let's pray. In fact, let's, let's just close our eyes for a second. I want to pray for you right now. It's a little, uh, a little odd timing for that, but I want to pray that God opens your spiritual eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person who's within the sound of my voice, in particular within this room, I pray that this not be an accident that they're here today. There are some people that have come up against things over and over and over again, and they don't know how to get through them, get over them. They, they don't know how to get lift in their life. And I pray, God, something happens in the next few moments that opens their eyes so they can see for real, that they opens their ears so they can hear what God is saying, and so they can truly understand the secrets of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. In the kingdom of God, let's set a little context, okay, for us to understand the kingdom, we have to appreciate a few things about the kingdom. There's some, there's some kind of um, elements to the kingdom. The first one is, we already learned this in week one, that a, a, that a kingdom has one king, okay? So a kingdom has a king. It's a different government. It's a different, it's a theocratic system. It's not a democratic system. There's a ruler. Now, this ruler is a benevolent ruler, so it's wonderful. The second aspect of a kingdom is every kingdom has a territory, a domain, a jurisdiction. And obviously, God's kingdom is, is, is very large and in charge and very broad. Amen? 
And then a third element of the kingdom is, and this is one I'll camp on a little bit in the message, is every kingdom has citizens. And citizens have, uh, and we'll unpack this, just like we do in our country, certain inalienable rights. Okay, there's certain specific rights that we have. And people sometimes don't know those rights or how to exercise those rights. Number four, Another aspect of the kingdom is a code of ethics. This refers to like behavior, lifestyle, values. Every kingdom has a code of conduct. And we need to learn what that is and conform to that. To know the personal will of God for your life, you have to submit to, subscribe to, live by the moral will of God for your life. Amen? Turn to your neighbor, just give him a little elbow, say, stay awake, this is really good. And it's important for later. And here's the last one. This is relevant, okay? Number five, every kingdom has an army. Every kingdom has an army. There is, a, there, is a, there is an arsenal at your disposal as a Christ follower in the kingdom of God. One time Jesus said to a group of religious people in Matthew chapter 22, he says, you think you know the scriptures, but you don't. And not only that, but you don't know the power of God either. And so sometimes we have um, the Bible, which is filled with keys in it, these supernatural keys that are in there for us. And so we, we, we might be able to reference the key, but we don't really know what the key is all about, and we're not experiencing the results of the key. That's what God was saying to these religious people. Many people, they, they have these keys, but they don't know the secrets to the keys. They don't know how to use them. And I believe that is the status of most Christians. We are not living an above and beyond life. We are not living an overcoming life. And, and I hope to motivate you, um, do more than inspire you to actually go into the rest of the year saying enough is enough. I, I'm tired of this incongruent living. I'm tired of looking like the rest of the world. I want to change the world on which I'm in by Lord, the Lord changing me from within. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus came in Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 43. This is what it says. It says, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Why was he sent? The kingdom. This was his number one message everybody. So he had a mission. You know, he had to come, live a perfect life, die to pay for the sins of humanity, uh, rise again on the third day. All right. That was a mission. But, but everything in between that, after that, was all about, he did all that to restore, basically, man back to God the Father in relationship. But he wants to fulfill the program by getting, now that that's happened, get man to have dominion back over the earth again. Mm, mm, mm. This is good theology and good preaching. You don't even realize it. Okay. So Jesus, again, he didn't just come uh, like we th for what we think. He didn't just come uh, because uh, to, just for Calvary. He didn't just come uh, just uh, for the resurrection. He didn't just come for the working of miracles. He came on a mission. He came on a mission. Now, there are many keys that we can highlight in the scriptures. And I, and I just want you to know, I'm sort of whetting your appetite. I did a couple of them, three of them actually in this entire series. I'm going to give you four kind of fast and furious today. But trust me. There are a lot of keys. Uh, I haven't identified all of them in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, but there are a lot of them there. And when you learn these keys, there are secrets to those keys that will literally change your life. So four secrets to the kingdom of God. Are you ready for this? Is everybody getting something out of this? Okay. Here's the first secret of the kingdom of God. A deeper understanding of authority. A deeper understanding of authority. 
Now, some people have a problem with authority. I actually was on the phone call with a girl the other day, and she says, PD, I really love you, but you know I have a problem with authority. <laughs> that conversation was funny after that. Just, I can't tell you any more about it, but, you know, she went on, and I'm like, well, let's go back to the beginning, you know? Basically, she was, she was just, you know, alluding to the fact that I want to see a problem worked out. I want to see a situation fixed. But in the beginning, she's saying, I have a problem with authority. And I was like, well, that's your problem. <laughs> that's not good English, but that makes sense. Okay? So, let's get me another mic here, guys, real quick. All right? Do we have one? Good song. There we go. So... So basically, the people of God, sometimes you're going to see this over and over again. In fact, I think this is in your notes. The people of God often do not understand the kingdom better than the people in the world. This is what Jesus himself said. In fact, there's different references in the New Testament where you can see this come up. In one occasion, there is a, uh, a pagan, unbelieving Roman centurion, and he uh, has a servant who is sick. Some of you know this particular story. It's in uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, if you need the reference. In Luke chapter 7 and following, I'm just going to paraphrase this particular story. But this soldier, this centurion, century, he had a hundred soldiers underneath him. And, and so he had, he had a following. And, but he's got a servant, and his servant's sick, and apparently he really liked him, loved him, I don't know, and he wanted him to be healed. Now, I'm reading into this part a little bit, but I think it's fair to say he probably had means to get this guy a doctor. He probably tried, and he decides he's going to try Jesus because he's been watching Jesus, probably, you know, doing crowd control because there were masses of people coming to see Jesus, lay hands on people, heal people, and all that. And so during this, his observations, he probably saw that this dude is the real deal when it comes to healings and miracles. And you know what? Some of us, once we've exhausted the fact that man can't supply what we need to solve our problems, that's when you're going to need a secret to the kingdom of God. That's when you're going to need one. And so this Roman centurion unlocks a door that many of us don't know how to lock, unlock because of his understanding of authority. And he says to Jesus, he says, sir, my servant is sick. And really, even before he finished, if you look at the story, Jesus already starts to respond, and he says, okay, I'll come and heal him. And the man says, you don't even have to come. You don't even have to come. Uh, I understand what you understand. I am, I, I, I come from uh, Rome. Uh, my, my, my king, Caesar, is, is in Rome. In fact, even though I'm hundreds of miles away here in Palestine, uh, when I speak to one and say, come, when I speak to one and say, go, they have, when they hear me, they hear, they hear the name Caesar, not me. Because he said this, he said, I am one under authority. I am one under authority. And so you don't even need to come, Jesus. If you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus says to this uh, pagan Roman centurion, I have not seen faith like this anywhere in all of Israel. Not one. I haven't seen anybody like this man. He understood something because he was a man under authority. And the key to getting something from the kingdom, the key that unlocks the door to some of the problems and situations in your life is the key of authority. Understanding it, not just having it in your life. You need to come up under authority for the door to open. If you want to have authority over situations, you have to be under authority in situations. 
this is some good preaching right up in here. Okay, so, so anyway, just a few seconds later, Jesus says, go your way, your servant has been made whole. And he was healed. And the story reports in the same hour that that conversation took place. And that man put himself under the authority of Jesus' words. Jesus, you, I say words over here and they work. You say words in this realm and they work. In that same moment that that conversation took place, his servant was healed. I personally believe that's when that centurion actually came to Christ at that time. He became a follower of Jesus. I, I don't know who wouldn't, right, after that. Amen. Here's the second key. Are you getting something out of this? Okay, here's the second key is angels, okay? Activating angels, if you want to put that in parentheses. Uh, this will be uh, mind-blowing for some people, different for some people, if you've never been exposed to uh, this kind of teaching, but it's in the Bible. Everybody say it's in the Bible. Well, one thing that's in the Bible that you might find interesting is the Bible, Jesus specifically, never refers to the church um, as an army. Jesus doesn't. I was raised in the church. Uh, we used to always sing songs about the church being an army. I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. And we'd have like, you know, doom, 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 you know. And, and we'd sing all those songs. But Jesus never referred to the church as an army. The army that Jesus refers to are, are angels. Are angels. Okay? And he actually says uh, that, that you, he says, I will give them charge over thee. Now, when that, that, when that means is it's not that they're in charge of you. They're in charge to protect you. You're in charge of them. You have been given authority and uh, 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 jurisdiction over angels. And an, and an angel's job in, their, in this army of angels is to protect you, is to fight for the citizens of the kingdom of God. Think about this. When you become a soldier... Some of you have been in the military, a certain military branch. When you become a soldier, you actually relinquish your rights as a citizen. You become a civilian, right, and, and to be a soldier. So you move from having certain rights to becoming the protector of people with those rights. Is everybody tracking? Okay. So a soldier, what do you give up? You give up, in essence, citizenship. If, you, if, if religious people, this is how I think God looks at the kingdom, and we need to look at it his way. If religious people want to fight for themselves, then they need to take care of themselves. But if religious people understood that you're not a soldier, you're a citizen, then, and the rights that are connected to that citizenship, then armies of angels protect you and fight for you. Mm -mm -mm. Nobody really likes this, but I think this is good. See, see, I think angels are in heaven mad because you won't let them do their job. That's what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me so. Okay? Think about this. When you have a security problem in your life, uh, something goes wrong, there's a problem, there's a breach in your home, there's a breach, somebody breaks a, a window in your car or something like that, who do you call? You call the police. The police. <laughs> okay, you call the police, right? Now, when you call the police, uh, you ring them up, you dial them up. You have the power as a citizen. Listen, everybody tracking with me? You get on that telephone, and if somebody's violated your rights, you have the power as a citizen to tell them to come, and they have to come. You can be anywhere where you are being violated, and as a citizen, you say, hey, 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 you need to get on down here, Bubba. 
And they, they have to leave whatever they're doing. In fact, sometimes depending on the nature of the emergency, if it's escalated, they got to put a siren. That's my little code word for siren. They got to put a, one of them up there, sirens on top of that roof, take off, and whatever's in their way has got to get out of the way and move aside because you as a citizen have a right to call for uh, support. Uh, dispatch has to, has to release authority to meet your needs and to fix your problems. And the same is true for you. This is a secret, okay? It's a secret. You have, just understanding your, and your citizens' rights, angels are at your dispatch. They are there for you to work for you. You have, you have power and authority over angels. You're not supposed to do all the fighting. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, I think in following, there's a story there where Daniel had been praying for 20, 21 days, prayer and, prayer and fasting. This is day 21, by the way, for many of us at Connect Community Church. We've been praying and fasting. How many glad day 21? Come on, somebody. Anybody dreaming about pancakes right now? I can feel the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Woo! Okay, so Daniel was on his 21st day, just like us, and he prayed, and he got on the phone, and he said, he said, God, I got, I got, a, I got a problem down here in Persia. You need to send help. Uh, and so the Bible says that immediately when Daniel prayed, an angel was sent, uh, you know, was dispatched from heaven to meet his need. And what happened is along the way from the third heaven to the second heaven, he encounters, this angel encounters a traffic jam of demons. The Bible records this, and you can read this for yourself. And there's this traffic jam of demons, and so this angel's like, whoa, 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 there's a huge traffic jam. He calls back to heaven, says, I need backup. We need a SWAT team. Team, get Michael in here. And so Michael takes off from heaven. This is the Bible. It's in the Bible. Michael takes off from heaven. He goes down to the second heaven and he clears this traffic jam. And while all this is going on, Daniel's not wondering if the angels are going to come. He knows they're going to come. He's simply waiting for them to come. See, some of you are wondering if it's ever going to happen. You need to know one of the kingdom principles is you, if you're under authority, you have authority. If you understood that you don't have to fight, you have angels who do the fighting for you. They come when you ask them to come. You have that right as a citizen. Daniel did not fight. Come on, say that with me. Say, Daniel, he didn't fight. He let the angels fight, everybody. See, sometimes if you're an intercessor, you may not even know what that is, uh, but an intercessor is kind of a prayer warrior. Sometimes we get intercession wrong. We don't even understand what intercession is. Intercession isn't just hooting and hollering and screaming and yelling and cartwheels and backflips. I've seen it all, barking, whatever. It's not all that kind of stuff. Intercession is waiting for the police to come. I'm not saying once in a while we don't raise our voice. Once in a while the devil needs to hear our tone of voice because we need to get out of. You know why we raise our voice? To break the spirit of intimidation over ourselves. That's why we got to raise our voice. We got to get out of our own comfort zone and out of our flesh. But, but when you know who you are in Christ, when you know you're a citizen of the Most High God, when you know that you have angels that are under your authority, you can just call up and say, hey, uh, God, you don't have to be in a special place, special time. You can be like on a celly with God. God, hey, listen, I got a problem, and uh, somebody's trying to attack my son right now, and he's sick, and I'm not okay with that. And so there's, there's been a violation in my family, and so I need you to come. I'm on location right here right now. I need you to come right here as I pray for my son, and I'm asking you to heal him in Jesus' name. God, I'm over in this situation right here. Do you guys get what I'm saying, everybody? And so I got a problem, and there's a little issue, and I 
I need some wisdom. I'm going into this job interview, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, kind of have the answers for it. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to send ministering angels to me to encourage me right where I am. I'm on location right here. Can you send them? And the Bible says he'll do that. You're a citizen with certain rights and privileges. It's a key. It's a kingdom key that you need to not only just have in your hand, but use. It's like having a phone without dialing it. A person who reads and a person who doesn't read have the same problem. That was deep. Nobody really got that. Okay. You may know how to read, but if you don't read, you don't get the benefit. You may not know how to read, and of course you're not getting the benefit. See, some people, know, they have the knowledge in their hand, but they're not getting the benefits of it because they're not applying it right. All right? So, um, anyway, get, get back to your notes, Pastor Derek. You get all worked up there, okay? So, you don't have to scream and yell. You just need to, you need, you don't have to, oh, shut up, you don't have to do all that kind of stuff. You just, you know, and just screaming and yelling and smacking people and stuff like that. I've seen it all, knocking people over and craziness and all that kind of stuff. You just need to speak with authority, okay, because you're a citizen. You're a citizen. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that, that, that ministering angels are there for your service. They're there for you, amen? So all big problems in the Bible, look at this. All the big problems in the Bible are handled by angels. Boom. Think about that. I was going through the Bible. I'm like, look at this. It's everywhere. We're doing all the fighting. We missed the point here. In Joshua chapter 5, I'll paraphrase this, but Joshua chapter 5, um, there's this, this, this story where Joshua comes to the Jericho wall. Have you ever come to a big obstacle in your life, everybody? So what does Joshua do? He begins to pray. You know what happens? An angel shows up. This angel shows up in military gear, a big, you know, dude. And Joshua's kind of shaken up by that. And he's like, so are you with us or are you against us? That's and he was like, he wasn't sure. The guy was scary. He was military. And the, the, the angel says, I am a member of the captain of the host of the armies of the living God. I'm here for you, son. Whatever you're getting ready to face in Jericho, you don't have to worry about it now because I'm here to fight for you. See, you need to understand that the biggest problems in your life can be dealt with by some big angels. That you have authority over, isn't it? Wouldn't it be, you ever had a big brother that did some fighting for you? You ever have, uh, you know, somebody that stuck up for you that was a lot bigger than you? I had somebody shadowing me last service. He's like, 300 pounds. I felt pretty safe. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's going to be your shadow. I'm like, no joke. He is my shadow. All right. Anyway. So the disciples, they struggled. We do too. We try to fight ourselves. And Jesus was always trying to show them another kingdom. They were always going into the physical, into the natural. And they're always trying to fight in the flesh. They're always trying to establish a fleshly kingdom. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 3, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And you'll see this conversation unfold in a couple of verses. But he says, after his suffering, he presents himself to them. After his suffering, this is Calvary, dying on the cross. He presents himself to them again and gave many convincing proofs. This is the resurrection that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So after he was resurrected, before he ascended, he stopped through earth again. While he stops through earth, what's the first message he wants to talk about? The kingdom of God. I mean, it was just constantly on his mind. But we, or they, didn't get it at the time. So later on, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Acts 2, verse 6, excuse me, they're all listening, and they gather around, and they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
this is what that means. They, he, they're still thinking he's going to establish a natural kingdom. He's going to be a ruler. He's going he's gonna, to uh, drop Caesar, you know, and wipe out the Romans. And he's constantly trying to say, you guys don't get it. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to be a military leader. I, I start as a suffering savior. I then move forward to become a servant leader. But I'm here to empower you to, be, uh, to have dominion here as an overcomer on the earth. I'm trying desperately to get you to see that. And he had this authority. And he, he was from another kingdom. In fact, earlier in John chapter 18, Jesus has a conversation with Pilate. And you know the story before he was crucified. And they're standing side by side. And, and, and Pilate says to him, so, so you are a king. Look at this. It says this in John 18. It says, Jesus speaking, my kingdom is not of this world. He's always telling everybody that. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. In other words, he's saying, I could send legions down here right now. It would be game over if I wanted. But now my kingdom is from another place. You, and I think, I think Jesus in this moment is talking kingdom language to somebody who can understand it better than his own disciples. And so he's having a conversation with somebody who can sort of understand. You're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am? I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens. What? Listens to me. So, so he, he had authority to, to take over if he wanted to, but that's not what he was trying to do. It wasn't a physical battle. It was a spiritual success that he was after. It's a different kingdom. It's a strange kingdom. In fact, he says, stay in Jerusalem in verse 8 because I want to show you something. I want to give you something. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're going to see this particular testimony. Here's your third key, witness. What does it mean to be a witness? In Acts 1, verse 8, look what it says. Bingo. It says, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be, what? Witnesses. Now, this is interesting. I bet you haven't seen this before. Unto me, both in Jerusalem, which is kind of like, you know, your home, and in Judea, your job maybe, and in Samaria, uh, your community, and unto the other parts, parts of the earth or the world. But I want you to remember this, unto me. If you have that in your notes, you can circle, unto me. Because the purpose of witnessing is not understood in, the, in Christianity the way it should be. Most people think witnessing is, you know, you got to get up on a table and you got to have a big Bible in your hand and start preaching in the middle of the cafeteria at school. Uh, people think witnessing is going door-to-door with your, your grand, great-great-grandfather's massive, huge King James Bible. And, of course, as soon as you start walking towards the door, nobody's home. Come on, somebody, right? Because everybody runs and hides. And, or, or they think it's, you know, get these tracks and slap them over the head with the tracks. Now, I'm not saying some of those things might not have borne some fruit um, by percentage, I would say, very little. But that's not what I believe this verse is talking about when it says, you will be witnesses unto me. It doesn't say witnesses to people. It says witnesses unto me. A witness is a legal term. It's a legal term. Witness. If, if I was in the courts and, 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 and I was being accused of something and I was innocent of something, and of course I would be, naturally, and, and, and I had witnesses come to testify about me, their testimony had to be supported by what? Evidence. See, a witness 
it's not so much or it's not enough just to have words. Sometimes the only, sometimes the only thing that gets you out of the courtroom, the only thing that gets your shackles off your wrist, the only thing that breaks you free is when there's evidence to prove something. A witness unto me, not to the people, is what we read in this particular verse. Everyone uh, that's brought to the courtroom at some point has to provide evidence. In the courtroom, sometimes words are simply not enough. Sometimes we need more than that. Is everybody tracking? Words are, are, are simply insufficient. See, what people want, for you to be a true witness, you have to see a congruency between what you say and what you see. See, in spite of the fact that I am an awesome preacher, come on somebody, no, I'm just kidding. In spite of that, see, ultimately, that might be the attraction, great this, awesome that from a person, uh, you know, from a, from a worship team or from a church. But listen, ultimately, people don't follow your words, they follow your life. They follow the evidence does what he say actually translate into his marriage with his wife of 26 years? Does what he say actually uh, confer upon or be seen upon or evident in his children? Does what they say actually manifest into the ministry? See, that's what people want. They want evidence. They want, they want you to be a witness. And God has called you in 2018 to raise your standard to be a witness unto me. Unto me is what he says. He's basically saying, you know, I've called you. Uh, I brought the kingdom to earth. And now I want the kingdom to be the kingdom of this world. Now you guys get out there and get it done. Show them what it looks like. Come on, citizens, under authority, understanding that you have armies at your disposal. Be a witness unto me. That's what he's saying. Everybody with me today? So the key to being a witness is you got to have some evidence. That's, that's, what, that's what will unlock doors in your life. Some of us are not living for congruency. We're walking in confusion. And so we're, we don't care. We've just almost surrendered to the fact that what I say doesn't actually manifest in my life. People talk about this in so many different areas of their Christian experience. Listen, we need to practice what we preach. We need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's what will unlock some doors in your life. It's a secret to the kingdom. Here's the fourth thing. I am worked up. Okay. Number four, power. Now this same verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, here's what it says. But you will receive what? Power. Come on, say it strong. You will receive power. power. You got to say it with a wah, power. <laughs> you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witness. You see, I think that... One of the problems, this is a value, by the way, that we have at Connect is the power of God. There's some things in this life that, that uh, cannot be solved any other way. They can't be solved by talk or great words, just a wise saying. Sometimes we need, and I don't know if you believe this, and, and, and I think you'll come to a place where you're going to need it, but we need the supernatural intervention of God. I'm just telling you. And I think this verse is telling us we need power. Now, my conviction is that if you're not seeing evidence in your life of the power of God, it's because you're not unlocking something. You're not unlocking something. If you're not seeing evidence of the power of God in your life, it's because you are not unlocking something. There's a key to whatever you're believing for that's not come to pass yet that you're not using right. You haven't found the key. Or you found the key, but you're not putting it in right. Does that make sense? 
and I, I believe that we need to learn how to live in the kingdom. How do we live in the kingdom uh, so that we can see the power of God work in our life? Here's what we need to do. In, in um, Matthew chapter 13, because the knowledge of, this is key, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is given to you. See, so God didn't give you just, uh, he didn't give you just keys to the kingdom. He gave you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't just give you, key, uh, give you keys, he gave you knowledge of the keys. It's different. It's a relational component. There are some secrets that make it work. Or you can be in the kingdom, if you don't understand these secrets, you can be in the kingdom a long time, starving to death spiritually. In fact, uh, PD, can I borrow your keys there for a second? You got a lot of keys on there? Yep. So, these are PD's keys. Let's say that I say to PD, or PD says to me, uh, here's my keys. Uh, you guys have given me a sabbatical. It's four months. I'm going to Aruba. You guys are paying for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> In your dreams, buddy. So, so, let's just say he's gone for four months. He gives me the keys to everything he owns. I've got the keys to his house. I've got the keys to his cars. I've got the keys to his safe in his house. I've got the keys to his mailbox. I've got the keys to his shed. I've got the keys to everything. i got the keys to all the sushi he stashed somewhere. i got the keys to everything, okay? He'll come back for that. But anyway, so, so I have these keys. Similarly, God has given you, as an heir of salvation, the keys to the kingdom of God. Everything. You have it. But listen, if he goes away giving me these keys, I go over his house, I show up at the front door, and, and let's just, and I start trying to figure, I don't know what key goes in what door. I could be there trying to figure out how to get in these different rooms, these different places and spaces, until he comes back, because I don't understand these keys and how they work. I have the keys, but I don't have the knowledge of the keys. Is everybody tracking with me? And so many of you in your Christian experience, that's why we're getting whooped up by the devil. And, and, and so, listen, the keys, this is in your notes here, the key, there are no keys to the kingdom, only keys of the kingdom. And there's a difference. There's a relational component where you need to learn what the keys are about. Matthew 16 tells us, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Look at it, there it is again. Not to, but of the kingdom. Of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That word bind and that word loose in the original language, we use it sometimes as Pentecostals to, to say, I bind the devil and I loose heaven and all these things. That's really not what it's talking about. It's bind means to lock, and loose means to unlock. So God wants to give you keys to the kingdom he wants you to receive the knowledge of so that you can lock and unlock every door in your life. That'll preach somebody. I don't even know if you know how good that is. Okay? These are doors in your life that God wants to open. And so when you go into the rest of 2018 and you face opposition and you face a problem and you're thinking to yourself, how do I get through that? If you haven't gotten through yet, it's because you haven't found the key. You want to find that key. And you want to know how to use that key. You want the knowledge of the key to unlock and break through in that problem. Many of you um, have prayed certain things and you've missed a key. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer before? 
right, as a recitation sometimes. But if we actually prayed it as a prayer, we're saying, God, I want what's in heaven to come here on earth. My earth is all messed up. I want heaven to come down here and un- to fix this mess. But there's a key inside that prayer connected to that. And they're all over the place in the Bible because right after that he says, I need to forgive those. i got to forgive myself my trespass and forgive those who have trespassed against me. Forgive me of my trespasses, excuse me, and forgive those who have trespassed against me. Right there in that prayer is a key. And so you can try to get heaven to come to earth, and you can pray that all you want, but it's going to be a closed, steel, cold door to you if you don't actually forgive. In fact, well, you know, uh, maybe it's got to forgive your neighbor. Maybe it's got to forgive your boss. Maybe it's got to forgive pastor because he's yelling at you so much. Maybe you got to forgive your spouse. Well, you know what? She's going to have to make the first move. Well, you're going to be waiting there a long, long, long time. And that door's going to be to you because it's a key to the kingdom. Is everybody tracking with me? And they're all throughout the Bible. It's in the Bible. Everybody say, it's in the Bible, okay? So what do you do if you have the keys and you don't know how to use them? Last point, write this down. Last point is you experiment. (laughs) So I don't know how to use all these keys. There's so many keys. Your Bible is filled with keys. What do you do? You, You find a key and you try it. And you see if it works. And you try another one. That didn't work. But I know, but I know, God, you've given me the keys to the kingdom. My, my son is still not serving Jesus Christ. My daughter is still falling away from God. I'm going to try this key. You know what? I've been believing for a supernatural miracle in, 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 in one of my, you know, in my spouse's life. You know, I'm believing for this job to come through. And I just keep using these keys. You just keep on experimenting using these keys. You know what happens? See, what happens is eventually you become incredibly familiar with these keys. And you know exactly what to do. You know exactly how to get in that door and open that door. Because you have a relationship. You have understood the knowledge of the keys. Deej knows all about these keys. I don't. And God knows all about these keys, and you don't. But as you become more familiar and you begin to experiment with it, you'll know these keys, and doors will begin to open for you. Can I have an amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I hope you've been encouraged in the Lord, but I want just to be still just for a moment. The most important key of all, is the connection that we make between Jesus and you. God doesn't want you to join a church. He wants you to join Jesus first. Jesus is the ultimate key. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. I want you to know that key. That key unlocks the door to eternity for you. And so if you've never had that eternal door open for you. You're not confident, positive that if you were to draw your last breath, you would leave from this life to the next, or you want to start a relationship now that's not just when you die, but starts now. It comes down to this key. Have you said yes to what Jesus did for you? He died on the cross for you. He rose on the third day to overcome in this life. He lived a sinless life and modeled it for you, and he wants you to have dominion over your life, but you need Jesus first in your life. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me before I leave today? I want to make sure of that. I want to be confident. God bless you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, ma'am, over there. Good night. I don't want to miss it. Who else? Who else? Did I miss anybody? Thank you, honey. Thank you over there. I saw that hand. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you for your courage. I see your hand up front here. That's great. Thank you in the back there. That's awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. 
Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you agree with me with them as well? Those that raise your hand, just say this prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart will. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I choose today to receive you into my life as my Savior and also as my Lord. I recognize that I can't pay for my sins, but you did already. And I recognize that I need to surrender my life to you and life will go better for me in the here and now. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you seal that confession, seal that belief in their heart. The Bible says the angels rejoice because people said yes to God. And we rejoice as well with them today. Help them, Lord God, to walk out of here different, changed, and make a commitment, Lord God, to practice the principles, the keys, the laws of the kingdom of God and experience lifting their life because we lifted Jesus higher. And everybody in the church said, Amen. Come on, let's lift Jesus higher. Let's give him a big praise. Come on, amen. God bless you.